0: Good morning, everybody. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. It is finally Christmas week, or maybe not finally. For some of you, maybe like, oh, it's Christmas week. Other you may be like, uh, you know, the elf. It's Christmas time! I don't know where you fall on the specter of Christmas, um, but I do, honestly, I wanna say, I know that Christmas carries a lot of different meanings for a lot of different people. Um, it, it, for some of us, it's thrilling. Our family's coming into town. It's gonna be chaos and joy others, it may be your first Christmas without a loved one. It may be your first time going through this holiday season alone. For others, you just don't do the traditional Christmas. It's just, it's not part of how you grew up. It's not part of what you do. And it's just more commercialized than you care for. However it settles and however Christmas falls on you this week, I want you to know this. It is a season of hope. And what I want us to focus on as we talk today is the story of the birth of Jesus and the hope he brings for all of us. So however you walk through this week or this Christmas season or this holiday season, I hope you can all just spend some time reflecting on the hope of Jesus. Because that's what it's about. It's about the hope of what he brought for us to drive out fear, to drive out worry and doubt. And that's what I wanna delve in today. We're gonna talk about the Christmas story in the Bible. You know, this time of year brings up a lot of debates that are very important for us to settle. Like, how soon do we put up the Christmas tree? I don't know if you're a Thanksgiving November person. I'm a solid sometime in December. My kids don't like that. They're like, oh, it's Thanksgiving Thanksgiving time, time to put up the tree. Maybe the great debate in your home is how do we buy gifts if you buy gifts? Do we buy them all in July, all right? And they're all ready to go. Maybe you like doing them all the last week. I don't know what you like to do. But one of the greatest debates is about Christmas movies. How many of you love Christmas movies? I love just about any Christmas movie as long as it's not a Hallmark Christmas movie then I'm good to go. Oh, I knew I was gonna get some zaps on that one. See, it was all quiet in here for a moment. I'm talking about the hope of Jesus, quiet. I step into Hallmark Christmas movies and everybody gets riled up. I see how it works in this audience. What? Yell out some of your favorite Christmas movies. Shout them out to me. Santa Claus. White Christmas, Die Hard, Die hard. <laughs> of course we've got one of those in the room, all right, there's all of them. I would say my three, and probably in this order, all right, this will show my level of spirituality and maturity, Christmas Vacation, all right, The Elf, all right, Elf, and then Christmas Story, I know that one's a little, you know, white centric Christmas, but it reminds, the kid in that movie, Ralphie, is like a dead ringer for my little brother Mark, All right, just a dead ringer for him. It's hilarious. But those are probably my three favorite movies. I like some of the older ones It's a Wonderful Life, Miracle on 34th Street. I even like those original, like the original Grinch cartoon. I love those. And even those weird, slightly creepy, stop motion Rudolph and Santa Claus movies. How many know what I'm talking about? Especially the one with Yukon Cornelius and Bumble the Yeti. I love that one for some reason, but there are slightly creepier. I remember the first time I showed them to my kids, they were kind of (laughs) like, what was going on in these? But all those stories have an element of hope. And the story that we're going to look at today, because the greatest Christmas story of all time is that of Jesus. The Christmas story of Jesus' birth and all other Christmas stories are about hope. Yet, have you noticed they also have, all right, an underlying element of worry, doubt, and fear. Clark Griswold hoped for that bonus check, but worried he wouldn't get in and couldn't put in his pool. He also worried about his cousin Eddie showing up. <laughs> Ralphie, all right, hoped and doubted he would ever get an official Red Rider carbine action 200 shot range metal air rifle with a compass in the stock. <laughs> I had to write it down. <laughs> hoped and worried about that. All right? Buddy the elf feared not being good enough as a Christmas elf that he went on a journey to the big city hoping to find his true father and his place in life. The Grinch, Rudolph, George Bailey, Susan Walker all had similar hopes along with similar worries, doubts, and fears. And you know what? So do we today. Mm -hmm. We have this mixture of hope and fear. It's like a bad Christmas cocktail. And yet we keep going back to the same wells. Well, the people in the Christmas story of the birth of Jesus have the setting, all right, of being afraid within the plot of hope. And each one of them had the same thing. You have a hopeful yet doubtful, dutiful priest. You have a hopeful yet frightened, confused teenage girl. You have a hopeful yet uncertain, conflicted young carpenter. And you have a hopeful yet terrified, tentative group of shepherds. Each one of these people received the same message from an angel sent by God. Do not be afraid. I am your hope. The story of Jesus begins with the statement, do not be afraid. And the story of Jesus ends with the statement, do not be afraid. The first was to a group of scared, uncertain people waiting for the Messiah to arrive. The last was to a group of scared, uncertain people watching the Messiah depart. And now it's told to us a certain group of people preparing for the return of that Messiah. And I want to look at these characters in the story of Jesus' birth, and I want to see what it means for hope when we are told, do not be afraid. Let's pray. God, I thank you for this opportunity to walk through the story of your birth, you coming to earth that ushered in our salvation through your death and resurrection. God, I pray that you'd give us ears that want to hear, hearts that want to listen, and feet and hands that want to put into action what you tell us. We thank you for your word and your story. May it speak to us today, in Jesus' name, amen. Let's start with Zachariah. A priest married to a woman named Elizabeth with no children because they could not conceive. They were old, yet they had remained faithful, and God found them righteous. We find Zachariah in the temple burning incense for worship. We pick up his story in Luke chapter one, verse 11. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, Zechariah, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zachariah. Your prayers have been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son and you are to call him John. He will be a joy and delight to you and many will rejoice because of his birth. Zachariah and Elizabeth had somehow lost hope in ever having children. All those dreams and images of what they would be like as parents of holding their small child. The pain of yet another miscarriage. And while they had remained faithful They had lost hope and resigned themselves that it just wasn't going to happen. They had seen a life of unfulfilled dreams and prayers about the one thing they desired the most. And then God shows up and tells them, do not worry, do not be afraid, I'm with you. We look at Mary, a young virgin girl, engaged to a carpenter named Joseph. We pick her story up in Luke 1, verse 26. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth in the town of Galilee. Elizabeth was Mary's aunt. To a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. Are you starting to see a pattern here? And the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. You got a teenage girl being told that she was found favor in God and yet was going to be pregnant, conceived through the Holy Spirit. Feeling suddenly overwhelmed, uncertain, anxious. What would Joseph think? What would he do? Yet the angel confirmed again that God's word was clear and plain. Mary, you have found favor with God. And she began to trust and began to try and not be afraid because he said, do not be afraid. I bring you hope. We look at Joseph, a young faithful carpenter, a Jewish man engaged to a young woman with whom he had not slept, who he had been pure and biblical with, being told his fiance was now pregnant by the Holy Spirit. to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. Joseph, a young man of integrity and honor, is confronted with what seems unbelievable, and being asked to take on the role of fathering and taking care of the Son of God while his time on earth. He's sitting there in doubt, disbelief, fear, and uncertainty and confusion, not sure of what to do when the angel says, do not be afraid, I bring you hope. Lastly, we have some shepherds, an unknown group of shepherds watching their flocks in the hills outside of Bethlehem, keeping guard at night for any pending danger to their sheep or their livelihood. We pick their story up in Luke 2, verse 8. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you, and he is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes, lying in a manger. We find shepherds in a hill distant from the city with a faith distance from promises and unfulfilled prophecies in their mind. So many generations, so many years gone by, so many sacred rituals and righteous acts. I don't know what their faith was like. But suddenly the night fills up with a light and they encounter a host of angels telling them, do not be afraid, I bring you hope. Maybe you find yourselves in one of these characters in the story of Jesus. Maybe it's Zachariah or Joseph or Mary or the shepherds and somewhere along the way you can relate to maybe how they're feeling in that moment. And you've been in that moment where worry and doubt and fear overcome you and you wonder where's the hope, where's the way out? The phrase do not be afraid appears 365 times in the Bible. And throughout the Bible we're told to fear not, do not be afraid. And we're also told to fear God. So how does this work? How are we to fear God, yet we're told do not fear? Well, I like the verse in Exodus twenty twenty because the word fear carries two meanings in the scripture. And Exodus twenty twenty gives us a verse that shows both those words being used in a verse, meaning different things. This is what Moses is saying to the Israelites. He says, and Moses said to the people, fear not, For God has come to prove you, and that his fear may be before your faces, that you sin not. This is a good verse, because like I said, both words are used here. The first, fear not, all right, is the word yare. The second, fear him, all right, is yireh, which is a noun of the first word. What God God was trying to say is do not fear the physical manifestations, everything you see happening around you, don't become afraid and terrified and trembling. What he was saying in the second word is fear me in reverence and awe because of my glory and who I am. See, scripture tells us two things when it comes to fear and being afraid. The first is we are not to be afraid or have this progressive continual feeling of doom and glooms coming up ahead of us. But we are to walk in fear, reverence, and awe, and admiration of God's glory. And you have to be able to carry both of those in your hands. And all the characters in our story understood that. They had a fear and reverence and awe of God and his message about a Messiah. But they also are human and flesh like we are, and they were afraid, uncertain, worried, doubtful, resigned. During these challenging times that we find ourselves in society today, I think what the elements of the feelings of the Christmas story are with many of us today. Many of us have a fear of God, a healthy, reverent awe, admiration of our Lord, a respect, yet we still get overcome with these things. Maybe it's the small things, maybe it's the large things, maybe it's momentary, maybe it goes away and comes back again. It happens to everybody, even the most positive of us. It even happens to a football coach named Ted Lasso. One of the most positive, annoyingly positive, you know, obnoxiously optimistic people I've seen on a movie screen. If you haven't seen the show, that's okay. But even Ted Lasso, this most positive guy, if you've seen it, boom, spoiler alert, suffers panic attacks. Because somewhere in the recesses of your mind, along with the story of Jesus and of hope, is the story of the enemy told from the beginning of time, you're not worthy. It's not going to work out. He's not telling you the full story. He's not telling you the truth. And fear can grip us. And when we are encountered by God, oftentimes when God encounters us, our first reaction is one of fear. I'm afraid, what did I do wrong? What is he gonna accuse me of? What's he gonna punish me for? Rather than fear and falling down in worship. What is it in our human nature that causes us to do that? It happened in the Christmas story. Everyone's first reaction was one of, oh no. Rather than one of, oh. I think Jesus knew that. I think God knew that. Which is why he didn't send a king on a horse. He sent a baby in a manger. Because would the world really be ready for a warrior on a horse? So let's send a baby to grow up amongst them. To bring them to the point of, oh wow. Rather than, oh no. You know how that is when you're little and your mom said or your dad said, we need to talk. (laughs) Your spouse looks at you, we need to talk. That's fear. Let me tell you something, it's not wrong to fear, it's not wrong to be afraid. To worry or experience anxiety, uncertainty or doubt, all these are natural feelings and they can overtake us at any time. And to think that we can just wave that Christian wand and say, oh, God is good, God will take care of it. That's a phony Christianity. It's truth. Wrapped up in a candy cane. It doesn't really help, and it's not helpful to recognize that as Christians, we shouldn't worry, and we're going to worry. It's the same thing Paul says about anger. He doesn't say not to be anger. He says, "In your anger, do not sin." I take that verse and I parallel that truth over to the truth of worry, doubt, anxiety, and fear. It's not that you're not going to experience in them, but what God says is, "In those things, do not sin." Do not be over- so overcome that you get paralyzed. You let faith crash on the rocks. And if you do, remember, I am with you. I give you hope. Do not be afraid. So this is not a message of saying we shouldn't feel that way. I have felt that way plenty of times in my life. Trust me. And if you need help with that, there is great counseling and therapy that can walk through that. Anxiety, fear, worry, those are paralyzing things that we need to address in a healthy manner along with God's word. And He says, Know this, I am with you. I bring you hope. So, whatever moment you find yourself in, wherever you find yourself today, wherever these characters found themselves, they were overcome with that in the moment. And God whispered and said to them, Do not be afraid. So how do we do that today? Well, we could go back and try to pull like little proverbs and quotes from some of our favorite Christmas movies that talk about you know the Christmas spirit and hope and you have to believe. My, you know, my kids love the movie, uh, The Polar Express. At least my two daughters do. And there's something in there about you have to believe. I can't quote it, but that movie's a little creepy to me. It's really weird, all right? <laughs> or you could go, I, I have this weird thing with like bad animation. It's like, whoa, what's going on here? Or you could go back to my favorite character, Yukon Cornelius, when he's talking about Bumble the Yeti and everybody's afraid of him. He says this. I love this quote. He goes, I'll try to do it in my Yukon Cornelius voice, all right? Ard! all right? Observe the Bumble's one weakness, the Bumble sinks. Not stinks, sinks. The Bumble Sinks. As we look at God's word and discover what God means to us, do not be afraid, I believe that we will find ways to make our worries, doubts, and fears sink, and God's promises and hope rise up in us. Amen. That's what I hope. I want to go all the way back to when Jesus was prophesied, when the Messiah was prophesied through Isaiah the prophet. And even then, thousands of years before Jesus was born, he gave a verse and a promise to Isaiah and Israel. And why you could say contextually this verse is for Israel, within the prophecy of Jesus, it transcends time, and it comes to us as well. Let's look at Isaiah, all right, 41.10. Isaiah is told, so do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. I believe that in this verse, there are three actions all right, that we can take that will help restore hope in those moments that we feel afraid. Three words, remember, meditate, and trust. And this is, I have to give credit to a blog writer named Angie Rigg who wrote this. And If you wanna look her up and find her online, you can read more about this. But a lot of these thoughts I'm gonna share next come from her and I wanna give her that credit. It was a beautiful blog post. And God intersects at times when we're studying things. But here's what I want to talk about, all right? The first point out of this verse I want to get with you is that remember that God is with you. He says in there, I am with you. Thousands of years before the Messiah was born in a manger, God reminds Isaiah, I am with you. And thousand years after the Messiah was crucified, buried, rose again, and reigns in heaven, he's still telling us, I am with you. Look again at what the angel told Joseph to name the child Mary was going to give birth to. In Matthew one twenty two, he says this. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet, that we're reading right now, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will name him Emmanuel, which means? God with us. Come on now, don't let that be lost on you. The birth of Jesus Emmanuel, God with us. Because for centuries, thousands of years, Israel had been walking around with a figment of a hope that God wasn't with them. He had left them in the wilderness, but he promised someday he would come, and he was here, and he says, now I'm with you. He departs and leaves us the Holy Spirit so that he's still with us. The very essence of the story of Jesus being born is his name, Emmanuel, God with us. All the characters we visited earlier today were Jews who had been taught that the Messiah was coming. And the birth of Jesus is the fulfillment of that promise. In our moments of fear, anxiety, and worry and uncertainty, claim the promise of Jesus' name, Emmanuel, God with us. You need to remember that. You need to remember that in your times of trouble and worry. The next one is meditate on who God is. Meditate on who God is. Once we know who God is, and once we know he's with us, then we need to daily remind ourselves that who he is, God, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the creator of all heaven and earth with us. He says, for I am your God. He says that in the verse, for I am your God. And I'm talking big God. I'm not talking like Ricky Bobby from Talladega Nights that goes, dear baby Jesus wrapped in a manger. I'm not talking about that baby Jesus and his wife gets frustrated and says, Ricky Bobby, it's not baby Jesus, he's a grown man. He like, I like to think of my, but my Jesus as a baby Jesus, innocent yet omnipotent at the same time. And then his little, little, little boy goes, I like to think of Jesus as a ninja, going around whooping up on everything that's mean and bad. I'm not talking about that identifying with God. I'm talking about understanding that he is not a small G God. He is a big G God. He is the big G God. And he's not the God that we make him out to be oftentimes in our lives. He is a God that ushered his son to earth to sacrifice his life so that we could be in relationship with him. We need to spend time meditating on God's word to understand who he is. Because when we do that, we will also understand who we are. We will see the depth of our sin against him and our need for Jesus the Savior to reconcile us to God and we'll have a deeper understanding of who God is, our Lord and Savior. Only then will we know the reason we have not to be afraid because he overcomes everything. Only by consistently abiding in his word will we understand God's great power and this brings us the best reason to not be afraid. Because God rules all things. He rules all things. Everything that comes into your life, he rules. We need to meditate on who God is, not what we're feeling he is in the moment. Next one is trust God's promise to strengthen you. Trust God's promise to strengthen you. The scripture clearly gives us a promise from God to strengthen us. For he says, I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Knowing God will uphold me alleviates my fear of the unknown and the fear of evil. It may not strike suddenly in the moment, but over time you build that trust and that relationship with God. He will strengthen us in every situation and always for his glory whether it's the peace we find in his promises or the confidence that our identity and worth comes from him and not what we do or we think, the Lord will give us strength in his promises. The power that raised Jesus from the dead is the same power that works within God's spirit in us right now. God wants us to be filled with hope and trust and not fear. He has given us hope through the promise that he can uphold us by his strength today, tomorrow, and forever. And he's also promised those who have faith in Jesus for their salvation, a life of eternity with him. Hebrews 13.5 tells us, I will never leave you nor will I forsake you. The Lord is my helper, I will not be afraid. We get those moments of fear, anxiety and worry. And we get overwhelmed and we're uncertain. Take a moment and claim the promise of God. Take a moment to remember who he is and put your trust in his words. Do not be afraid. I am with you. God of the universe who breathed life into us is with you. He is not here to do things to you. He is here to do things with you and for you. There's a whole different thing in leadership when you study leadership. You can either lead to people or lead with people. You can either listen to them or listen with them. You can either teach them or learn with them. And then you can either lead them or lead with them. And there's a whole difference with the word with, because it's a relationship. It's a getting to know one another. And as you get to know God, ironically, you get to know yourself better. That's what he desires for you. The Christian story, the Christmas story, the Jesus birth story is about driving out fear and ushering in hope of God. We are no longer slaves to fear, rather we are children of God, we are called to God, we are called to his obedience and living in him. We are called to not be afraid. Remember the words of the angels that night when they came to the shepherds. Listen to them again. Do not be afraid. I mean, can you imagine this? You're sitting on a shepherd, with the shepherds, on this hill, it's dark, the sheep are walking around. They're kind of just doing whatever sheep do at night. I have no idea. I've not not been outside with sheep at night. Maybe you have, I don't know. You could tell me sometime what they do at night. They just wander around doing what they do. And all of a sudden, the sky lights up. Angels from heaven, probably a light and a glory you can never imagine, all right? I'd be a little bit scared too. And they say, do not be afraid. I bring you good news. That will cause great joy for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah. Look at who they proclaimed to the shepherds they would find in the manger. Look at who he promised a young teenage girl she would give birth to and nurture and love as a mother. Look at who God revealed to a priest who had long resigned himself to dutiful faith and rituals. Look at who he reassured a young carpenter that he would be entrusted to love and protect for this child's time on earth. This would be a part of the father's sending a miracle to all of us. His name was Emmanuel, God with us. Emmanuel, God with us. Do not be afraid. If you're like Zechariah, with a hope fading into a resigned duty, unable to believe God will answer your prayers, you're going through the motions of your faith with a heart aching for what you do not have or will not happen. Maybe you feel resigned and accepting of God who seems to be saying no, not now, no way. Years of silence have dampened your belief. They've overshadowed your faith and constrained your hope from growing. I ask you to lean in again today and remember do not be afraid. God is with us, Emmanuel. If you're like Mary and you get news that shocks you to your core, or shatters your hope, you get a diagnosis you can't comprehend, or you find yourself overcome with this just can't be, and worry grips your soul, fear paralyzes your mind, and you can't believe God is saying what you will have to walk through. I'm gonna be so alone. You don't know what's going to happen and you're full of fear, you're afraid, doubt, you're losing hope. I ask you to lean into what he told the people in the story. Do not be afraid. God is with us, Emmanuel. If you're like Joseph and hope is hijacked, you've been asked to accept what seems unbelievable, to do the difficult over the easy, the honorable over the acceptable. You've been called into leadership for which you are not ready or you did not ask. You are unsure how to navigate the way in front of you. You are uncertain, unprepared. You're in over your head. Do not be afraid. Say it with me. God is with you, Emmanuel. if you find yourself like the shepherds, with a hopeful yet distanced faith, a religion of an ancient God. God waiting for miracles that never happen, living out days of struggle and unfilled promises. Then you have an encounter with God, but you're too hesitant to believe it could be God because he doesn't show up for me like this. I'm not worthy, he can't be talking to me. Why would he tell me this? And you sitting in guilt and unworthiness and shame, I tell you to remember, do not be afraid. God is with us, Emmanuel. God is with us, Emmanuel. The Christmas story is one of hope being given to a world of fear, worry, and doubt. And hope of Jesus was sent to drive all that away Jesus is the only hope. He's the only way. He's the only truth. He's the only life. And he came to us not as a warrior on a horse, but a baby in a manger, innocent and omnipotent. Innocent and omniscient. And his name was Emmanuel. Again, I read to you. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the chosen one, the son of God, the Lord. Do not be afraid, God is with us, Emmanuel. Say it with me. Do not be afraid, God is with us, Emmanuel. Again, do not be afraid, God is with us, Emmanuel. One more time like you mean it. Do not be afraid, God is with us, Emmanuel. He is our hope. Go in peace today and embrace his hope. Thank you, Arbor.